This is Equipping Eve, the podcast that seeks to equip women with fruits of truth from God's Word. In his second letter to the Corinthians, the Apostle Paul wrote, But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. A sincere and pure devotion to Christ begins by being grounded in his word. So let's open our Bibles, ladies, and prepare to feast on the truth God has given us. Well, hello, ladies, and welcome to Equipping Eve. I'm your host, Erin Benziger. Remember, EquippingEve.com, Facebook, Twitter, whatever you can find me. It's not too hard. Type in Equipping Eve. I can't run very far. So ladies, if you recall last time we started to dive into the Gospel of John, and I noted that we're going to spend the next uh, several episodes doing that. We're just going to walk through the Gospel. Um, Sometimes we might talk about one chapter, sometimes we might talk about two, maybe sometime we'll talk about three. I don't know. I haven't split it all up yet, so we're just going to see where this takes us. Today, we're going to jump into chapter two of the Gospel of John. We're going to try to cover chapters two and three. And so jump right in with me, ladies. Um, And again, as I said last time, we're not reading through all of this because that would take up the entire time of the show. And I'm sure you don't want to listen to me read the Bible when you could read it to yourself or have your audio Bible do it, which I have mine set to the NIV UK. I don't typically read from the NIV, but my audio Bible, I do have it read to me from the NIV because it has a UK version um, in the the man reading it has an accent, which is just easier for me to listen to than us crazy Americans. Man, we are just very uncouth and our accents are unfortunate. So, but today I'm reading from the ESV. John 2 verses 1 through 11. This is where we see Jesus perform his first sign. So this is at the wedding at Cana in Galilee. Uh, This is where everybody loves to go and say, Jesus drank wine. Look, he changed the water into wine. We're not going to talk about that today. You have your opinions. I actually have no opinion on that. Uh, I don't care. You can argue about that all day. Don't bother me with it. Um, What we see here, though, uh, and again, there's some questions in in this story. You know, we're not going to dwell on, um, you know, Some of the common questions or common things that come out of these texts, we're doing high level, uh, you know, high level jet tour through the Gospel of John is what we're doing here. So Jesus turns the water into wine here in these first 11 verses of John chapter 2. And really kind of what we're seeing here, ultimately, I mean, this is Jesus' first sign. You know, John chose to include this in his gospel. Remember, John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31 tells us the purpose of his gospel. I recorded these particular signs and these things that Jesus said and did so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that you may have life in his name. So verse 11, this, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana and Galilee and manifested his glory. Jesus came to manifest his glory. And that's what we see in all of his signs. But here's the first time he did this. Jesus is saying, yeah, I am the one John the Baptist was talking about. You know, so Jesus came to manifest his glory. And look at the end of that verse. And his disciples believed in him. You see how John constantly keeps that thread weaving throughout his gospel that the disciples believed. These people believed. He did this so you may believe. Blah, 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 blah. It's all throughout. And I think I mentioned this last time. 
Um, but it's it struck me again here in reading this passage again, and his disciples believed in him. Again, it's like the disciples get it, but they don't, because we see so many instances throughout the gospel stories of the disciples just not quite getting it, you know? Um, well, Lord, how are we going to feed all these people? We only have five loaves and two fish. It's like they get it, and then they don't, and then they get it, and then they don't. Um, and it's just really interesting to me that... You know, it's so clear that God has to reveal things to you. God has to reveal who Jesus is to us. He has to open our eyes in order for us to be saved, for us to understand that he is the Christ, the Son of God, so that we may believe and have life in his name. Now, in verses 12 through 25, through the end of the chapter, this is where Jesus is cleansing the temple. And again, we're all very familiar with this particular story and you know, it's pretty obvious he's zealous for his father's name and for true worship, which he'll talk about later. He's going to touch on later in chapter four when he meets with the Samaritan woman at the well. He's going to talk about that true worship. And again, what strikes me here, so Jesus comes in, he makes the whip, he drives him out of the temple take these things away. He says, do not make my father's house a house of trade. Verse 17, his disciples remember that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. So they're making these Old Testament connections. Okay, wait a minute. This is the one that the Old Testament was talking about. This is, this is what Psalm 69, this is what this is referring to. And what is so interesting to me here, again, I keep saying the same thing. I'm sorry. As I go back and reread this for the umpteenth time, uh, just new things have stood out to me in reading this this gospel this particular time around. Um, but there in verse 17, John making the point to say, you know, at this point, his disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. It's so interesting of John, the way he writes that he goes back and says, you know, and at this point, we remember this, you know, and then we remember that, oh, this was in the Old Testament, or Jesus said this, and we remembered it. And just he's drawing us into the story and drawing us into them living with Jesus and walking with Jesus, you know, and helping us walk alongside and be right there and step through even their thought processes, as all of this is happening. And I just think that's really interesting. And then we move into chapter three, Maybe the most famous chapter in all of scripture, I don't know, because of John 3, 16. Uh, so John chapter 3, verses 1 through 21, I call these verses Nicodemus at night. Um, and of course, Nicodemus, he's a Pharisee, and he comes to Jesus by night. Uh, why does he do that? Because he's going to get some flack from his people if he does it during the day. Um, but God is drawing him. He has questions. He wants to speak to Jesus, and we certainly see at the end of this gospel, um, that Nicodemus was changed and that he was a disciple of Jesus at the end. But he comes to Jesus here by night and he says, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher from God for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus doesn't get it. You know, he's like, well, can you enter a second time into your mother's womb? Well, obviously not. Even Nicodemus knew that. But when Jesus says in verse three, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. What he's saying there is unless one is born from above, salvation is all of God. You know, and we saw that back in chapter one of John, didn't we? If you turn back a page or two 
in your Bible, it's two pages in mine, um, to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, this is chapter one, verse 12, he gave the right to become children of God who are born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. Salvation is all of God. So to be born again, to be born from above is to be born of the spirit, born of God. Uh, and this is really significant. You know, Jesus is telling Nicodemus, listen, this is a work of, the, of God. This is work of the Holy Spirit. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He was used to adding his own works to his salvation. And so this is pretty significant for him. And of course, we see here in this, in these verses, the most famous verse in all the Bible, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And then we move on to verses 22 through 36. So 22 through the end of the chapter. And uh, I call this John the Baptist Redux. John the Baptist reappears. And he's continuing his testimony about Jesus. Um, So some of the Jews are coming to John the Baptist and they're saying, well, you know, So John is continuing to baptize, and then there's some questions. They're saying, well, look, the one that you bore witness to, he's baptizing. Everyone's going to him. And John answered, verse 27, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I've been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. John's joy is complete. How notable is that? Like his whole joy was to see Jesus' ministries begun, to see people coming to Jesus, to be, see Jesus being revealed as the son of God. Like that's, that's really significant, I think. And then we just have these really interesting verses in verses 31 through 36. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. He who comes from heaven is above all. He bears witness to what he has seen and heard, yet no one receives his testimony. Whoever receives his testimony sets a seal to this, that God is true. For he whom God has sent utters the words of God, for he gives the spirit without measure. The father loves the son and has given all things into his hand. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. And I wanted to pause here on verse 36 because I think sometimes there can be some confusion here. It says, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but then whoever does not obey shall not see life, and the wrath of God abides on him. This is not about works for salvation, ladies. I just want to make that really clear. Salvation is by grace through faith. It is all of God. We just talked about that. That's already been made abundantly clear by John here in his gospel. But if we love him, we obey his commandments, right? Jesus himself said that. If you love me, you will obey my commandments. And when we're saved, we get a new nature. We get new desires, new minds, new hearts. And that new nature loves the things of God and desires to obey and won't do so perfectly. Of course, that's sanctification and we never attain perfection in this life, but we desire the things of God and we desire to obey him. But if we don't believe in Christ and we've not been saved, we have no desire to obey. And we might do some right things, but we have no ultimate desire to obey God. And so consequently, we would not have life, but it's not because we're not doing something. It's because we don't believe in Jesus Christ and his work and his person and what he's done for us on the cross. 
So I hope that brings a little bit of clarity to that particular verse, ladies, because I know that can almost sound, it is just, you know, can appear confusing at first read, but this is not about works for salvation. Um, it's not about doing something to get eternal life and you don't do that thing and you don't get eternal life. It all comes down to if you believe, you will obey as a way of life based on your new nature. If you don't believe, you're not going to obey. It's just you act according to your nature. That's the way it is. So ladies, um, today as an Equipping Eve endorsement, um, I'm going to go way back to something that many of you have maybe not read in its entirety, but maybe have glimpsed at pieces of it, and that's Fox's Book of Martyrs. Um, this is just such a great collection of those throughout church history who have given their lives for this book that we're reading, the Bible. They've given their lives for Christ. Um, and it's just such an encouragement to see their faith in the midst of such intense persecution that we can't even begin to fathom. We're so spoiled here. And, um, you know, what we call persecution just it doesn't hold a candle. And I'm not downplaying it. I'm not saying that things that go on in our lives aren't important that, you know, are a cause of our faith because there is persecution. It just looks different. Um, but right now we don't face the threat of being burned at the stake. Um, but so many people did that and they, they went to the stake singing and I don't know that I would do that. Um, mostly because I can't sing, but you know, also because I think I'd just be too scared. So, um, it's just amazing to see how God emboldens people in those times, you know, and truly that is the spirit of God working and not our human frailty. So I recommend Fox's Book of Martyrs to you. It's just kind of a nice little reference even just, you know, pick it up, read about a person or two and move on. And as a parting thought, ladies, we all know John three sixteen, of course, and we should because it's the gospel in a nutshell, but the surrounding verses are helpful too. So I don't want us to forget them. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. So read verse 36 in light of verses 16 through 18. Above all, ladies, when was the last time that we shared the truths of these verses with someone else? That God so loved the world, he gave his only son. When was the last time? All right, ladies, until next episode, get in your Bibles, get on your knees, and get equipped. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.